talk to you about John chapter 21 verse 19 John 21 19 kind of a it's a strange uh, you'll get it before it's all over but uh, John 21 19 if you take your Bible there um, I went by John so fast I, I know you do the same thing 21 19 I'm gonna read 18 verily verily I say unto thee when I was young these are Jesus words thou girdest thyself and walkest whither thou wouldest but when thou shalt be old, thou shalt stretch forth thine hands, and another shall gird thee, and carry thee whither thou wouldest not. Now, there's a whole message really on that that I'm not going to touch. Um, but in verse 19, so that you understand verse 19, I read it. That, and then this spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. And the title is, The Honor of Dying for Jesus. It is an honor of the highest degree that can be bestowed upon man to be able to be so dedicated to the Lord Jesus Christ that you would be willing to die for him. Father, we pray that you'd come in these few moments, speak to us. May this be the Holy Spirit's work. In Jesus' name, amen. Most of us do not consider seriously dying for Jesus. The American Christian has not really had to face the perspective of dying for Jesus. Uh, really, since coming over here from England, as the pilgrims fled to the persecution of the Church of England, and they fled in some cases, being killed. England had had a history, as well as Spain, of killing, torturing Christians uh, in the 15, 14, all the way back to 1200. And so uh, it was not unheard of at all to have to give your life for what you believe in as Jesus Christ as your personal Savior. Now, you would just today, because we're so far removed from that atmosphere, or are we? But anyway, uh, it almost is hard to understand why anybody would kill you or torture you for being a Christian. Why would you ever want to take the Ten Commandments down? Thou shalt not kill or murder. Thou shalt not commit adultery. Those are good things. Unless you want to do them. And they, they, in Elkhart, Indiana, where I was born, uh, they, there was a granite. It was put up there after World War II. It was beautiful granite Ten Commandments. I mean, very costly. And the ACLU sued Elkhart because there was a few people in Elkhart it offended. Well, how about not driving by it? And uh, they tore it down. I was really, really saddened and... Um, disappointed in my hometown that they didn't let that go to the Supreme Court. But they didn't. Um, but I think if they did now, we'd do pretty well. But anyway, the persecution that you and I go through here are reduced 
most of the time to verbal attacks, people being rude to us, possibly, possibly economic attacks. I've suffered it. I worked for a floor covering store when I was going to college and laying, I laid floor covering. My dad did it before me. And for 17 years, I did that. And so I was making my living going to Bob Jones University in Greenville and I worked for Mayfield's floor covering. Big, big place. Mayfield claimed to be a Christian, but his son-in-law was an Episcopalian, but wasn't really a Christian and uh, was religious. And those are the worst kind. And so I passed it. After three years of working for them, Without one complaint, I passed the gospel track out, as I did every time I finished a job. I would go and say, now this isn't Mayfield's, this is Bill Lytell. I'd like to give you this, best news I ever found in my life. And it was a gospel track. Unobtrusive, kindly giving them a gospel track. Well, one woman uh, called up the store complaining, and uh, the son-in-law uh, brought me into his office and says, we, there's two things we don't talk about, and that's... Uh, uh, politics and religion. And I said, you don't get that from the Bible. And we had a little discussion and he let me go. <laughs> I have suffered economically for Jesus. Now, I went home to my wife, I don't have a job. Three days later, I got a phone call, never looked for a job, never made a phone call, never told anybody. Three days later, I got a call from a competitor of his and I got more money, better work. And I had three days vacation. Not bad. God takes care of you. But you may suffer economic attack. You may suffer some vandalism. I've suffered some vandalism for being a Christian. I, I've, I've been threatened by because I'm a Christian, and maybe you have. And once in a while, there's possible in America to have some physical violence break out against you. And uh, you may get beat up, may get knocked down, may get kicked, may get spray painted, may get maced. Uh, for the cause of Christ. It has happened and possibly will. But that's usually the extent of it here. But our forefathers were not so well treated. Uh, they were not so well treated. There's a book called Fox's Book of Martyrs. Now, how many here, I want an honest hand, if you've read Fox's Book of Martyrs, raise your hand. There's a handful. I'm going to say 20 people at the outside. How many have Fox's Book of Martyrs, but you haven't read it? The same people. Um, <laughs> makes sense. John Fox wrote Fox's Book of Martyrs. No surprise. He wrote that, and he was born in 1517, and he lived in 1587. And he, in that book, records the gruesome details how history has treated uh, Christians since Christ. Um, he starts, um, and many, many of you may recall that the pilgrims uh, came over here because of that, because of persecution, under death, taken of their properties, etc. But the only thing the pilgrim had, the two books the pilgrim would have had, is he would have had a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs, and he had a copy of the old King James Bible. He'd had a copy of Fox's Book of Martyrs and a copy of the King James Bible. Now, everybody in this building ought to make sure you got those two things. That was the only two books that most of those people had any access to at all. Pilgrim's Progress was written a little later, uh, and then after Pilgrim's Progress was written, they would have had Fox's Book of Martyrs, Pilgrim's Progress, and the Bible. Those were the three major publications that helped them define uh, being, what a being a Christian was all about. Imagine, now Fox's Book of Martyrs is 370 pages 
of very specific and very graphic descriptions of born-again Christians giving their lives and being tormented to death in case somebody fires, somebody bitten on the rack and stretching them. Uh, just horrendous things that happened to your brothers and sisters in Christ of the past. 370 pages of, of historical, by the way, this is not some fake news. These things were researched. John Fox spent 11 years researching the validity of the stories that he put in there. Now, he only brought it up to uh, his time of life, but since then it's been rewritten. Uh, not rewritten, but edited and, and, and added to from when John Fox died up through, I believe, 1800 and the persecution of Christians. But, but you cannot read, it starts with the apostles, by the way, you cannot read that book without tears coming to your eyes unless you're just stone hard. You cannot read, in fact, when you read that book, it will stun you. It will, it will stun you that these people were willing to go through this when all they had to do was say they weren't believers in Jesus or that they were good Catholics or that they had nothing against the Church of England. or they, All they had to do was make a couple statements and they would have gladly let them go. They let them go, but they didn't. They went through with it. John Fox was born in Boston in Lincolnshire, England. He was educated at Oxford. He was a genius. He showed himself exceptional mentally. He was, however, a Catholic. And he lived under somebody called Bloody Mary. You sure don't want people to nickname you that. And Elizabeth, after Bloody Mary was gone, Elizabeth was friendly to the Protestants. Uh, he spent 11 years, as I mentioned, painstakingly researching this book, verifying its records, uh, persecutions of Christians, and especially, of course, Protestants. He was kicked out of the Roman church, no surprise, as he did that, uh, because he became critical of the Roman church because they were the ones doing much of it. His book went through large, four large editions of printing prior to his death. So he got to see some of his work uh, be, be propagated. It became a very popular book. Um, and so he records from all the way the apostles uh, martyrdom to his day. So why do I say all that? Because Fox's Book of Martyrs changed the thinking of Christians for centuries. Instead of expecting a flowery bed of ease, uh, they expected to give their life for Christ. Now trust me, that makes a whole different group of people. One group of people believes God's going to give them a new Cadillac, new boat, big house, uh, a white picket fence, and a Harley Davidson. The other one believes that being a Christian very well may cost them the Harley Davidson, the picket fence, the white house, the boat, the car, their land, and they may be put into jail, some urine-stained bed to sleep on, and eventually taken out, tortured, pillaged, and if that wasn't enough to get them to deny Jesus, they may be killed publicly, slowly, burnt at a stake. The difference is tremendous between those two groups. The current book 
brings us to the 1800s I mentioned, and it's 370 pages. I believe we are in desperate need to read that book. Christians today, I see Christians today, can I, can, I don't mean to insult anybody, okay? It's just my nature. Now, as a preacher, you just got to say hard things. First of all, you got a group of people in it that because of the lack of persecution, they cannot even be, you can't even say things that they object to. If they object to them, they scream and scream, they go out and scream at the sky. They, they, they leave. They won't allow themselves to be in a place where somebody says something they don't agree with. How are you ever going to learn? And so, and God forbid that anybody ever gives them any trouble for being, they want to pull back and withdraw. Now imagine the people that had Fox's Book of Martyrs and the Bible. Imagine what they, their, their can I say it this way, their worldview. That's what people like to say today. What's your worldview? Well, imagine what those people's worldview would have been and the worldview of those who have not been under persecution for some 200 plus years. Today, a little suffering or persecution, and it often will sour a Christian about being a Christian. Of course, you wonder if they ever were a Christian. I had a Vietnam vet in here years ago, got saved, man, he got saved, baptized, joined the church, got involved. I thought it was great. We discipled him some. After about six weeks, the old boy came to me and says, I'm, I'm quitting. I said, what do you mean quitting? I said, I'm quitting church, quitting the Bible, quitting Christianity, quitting everything. I said, what do you mean? He said, it doesn't work for me. I said, it's not about you. It's about him. Completely different view. He got saved for what God would do for him. He didn't get saved and out of gratitude for what God did for him, willing to die for him. You see the difference between those two groups? Uh, he withdrew. And people today will withdraw from ministries that cause people not to like them. Well, I can't be a Christian. People will hold back from telling a lost sinner it's on his way to hell. They'll hold back from giving them a gospel track or hold back from inviting them to church or hold back from giving them the plain gospel because they don't want them not to like them. Now, I know what I'm talking about. And I know I'm hitting everybody in here. And, and they, they have this fear. The Bible calls it the fear of man is a snare. And because you fear the reaction of man, God tells you to go in the world and preach the gospel to every creature. You know that if you got the answer for people going to hell, that if they trust Christ, their Savior, their sins are forgiven. Gone, 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 gone. Yes, my sins are gone. And that they can go to heaven forever and be with Jesus. Now, they have that. You have that. You have that knowledge of the Bible. You've trusted Christ your Savior. Now, you should be fluid and determined to share that knowledge with everybody around you. Everybody you come in contact with by the grace of God. I mean, you may miss one here, miss one there. And you may have a weak moment once in a while. But generally speaking, you're willing to do what God asks you to do. And you don't really, whether they like you or I wish everybody liked me, but I gave that up a long time ago. The Bible says, beware when all men speak well of you. I will not have that problem. I got other problems, but I don't have that one.
uh, people that are not, have not suffered persecution, often not been exposed to understanding there is persecution as a Christian, they'll stay away from any kind of confrontational ministry. Um, in fact, even be against it. There's groups today all over the United States, churches, that have quit having invitations because they say it's too confrontational. Well, we don't want people to come down here and humble themselves and get on their, maybe get on their knees or go to the back and talk to somebody or, or in any way publicly be embarrassed because that would be humble. Imagine somebody who's read the Fox's Book of Martyrs and the Bible. They wouldn't mind. That would be light. What is that? I never worried about anybody kidnapping my son. They'd bring him back. And give me 20 bucks. No, try, hey. Now, if that was your phone, you owe me 100 bucks. Make it out to GBC, Gospel Baptist Church. But, oh, preacher. Oh, you may have hurt somebody's feelings. The, what I'm trying to get at this morning is we, because we have not historically read what we've inherited, and we've become ignorant of what it really costs to be a Christian, that ultimately Jesus wants you to die for him, that we've become touchy-feely sissy boys. They can't take any kind of pressure for being a Christian without having some sort of a little hissy fit, like what was going on yesterday afternoon. So, I was at, here, give me an example of what's happening today. Ted, I was at Ted Montana's. I like Ted Montana's, home-cooked food. And so at Ted Montana's, we had a six of us eight, and I took the check, and the guy came up. I brought my money, you know, brought my credit card back to me. He came up to me, and he, he stopped me, and began, the young man began to rebuke me for leaving smiley faces in Ted Montana's. He said to me, he says, now I'm a Christian, uh, and, and so understand that. But he says, uh, the, the people back there in the kitchen and the waiters back there, you just don't understand how badly they speak about you. And, and he says, really, what you're doing there is not helping the cause of Christ, it's hurting the cause of Christ. He said, because they're angry at you and they, they, they speak horribly about you and you people who leave these gospel tracts. He says, you need to develop a relationship with them. And once you develop a relationship with them, then you will have the right to share the gospel with them. And I said, wow. First of all, they're not going to let me develop a relationship with them because they don't even like me. And, and the second thing is, they're dying way too fast for me to develop a relationship. Now, I said, son, I... Give the gospel every way you can give it. I, have, I believe in friendship evangelism. I believe in relationship evangelism. But I also believe in mass evangelism, that the word of God is quick and powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword to the piercing of, 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 of bones and marrow. And, 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 and it will reveal people. In fact, without the, without the hearing of the word of God, you can't be saved. 
Faith comes by hearing, hearing by the Word of God. So you need the Word of God. So consequently, I just believe the Word of God is a seed, uh, the sower, parable of the sower. And so I'm out there sowing the seed. Some of it lands on the rocks. Some of it gets choked out by the weeds. Some of it gets walked on. But brother, some of that seed falls on good ground. And some people get saved because the gospel tracks. And I've, I've read, there's a book up here we got somewhere that that thick, that just is testimony after testimony after testimony, people getting saved, some of them by finding a, a track that was thrown away. Some of them by finding tracks that were in the garbage. It's not the track, it's the word of God. But this guy was so touchy-feely, he said, well, at our church, I didn't ask him which because I didn't want to be bitter. He said, at our church, we're taught not to hurt people's feelings. Wow. He's, he didn't believe that anybody ever ought to get offended because of your witness for Christ. What's the problem? The problem is he's, an, he's just not, he, he is ignorant. He does not understand his history. And he surely has, does not understand the biblical injunctions about suffering for Christ. Uh, he must not have read the Bible much. He mistakenly thinks people get mad at us when they really get mad at Christ. He said... Is it the, the trumpet? That's a different sound. He said, after all of that, if the world hates you, it hated me before it hated you. What does the world hate when you give them the gospel? The gospel. Now, you know, they may kill the messenger. I mean, I'm not saying they don't get somewhat ticked off at the messenger, but really what their anger is about, that they love darkness rather than light because their deeds are evil. That's what the Bible said. That's what Jesus said, John chapter 3, verse 16 through 21. Read it. Listen, I represent the Lord Jesus Christ in the word of God, and that's what they hate. The darkness, some of the darkness at least, hates the light. And I have to be willing to die like others before me have died in the propagation of the gospel. The propagation, of the, I may never have to physically die for the sake of Jesus, but I emotionally and mentally have already laid my life down since 18 years old to today, some 46 years, whatever it is. And, but I think everybody needs to make that decision. I'm willing to die for the cause of Christ. That'll help you. It'll help you with your boldness. You'll get some holy boldness, brother. Because if you're willing to die, what else can they do to you? And God, you know, Jesus said to him, don't fear them that just kill the body. He said, I'll tell you who to fear. Fear God. Who after he's killed the body can take the soul and throw it into hell. That, that's who to fear. That's in the book. That's not me. So, that's why this morning, I'm hoping, by the grace of God, the Holy Spirit's led me to do this, to inspire you, to challenge you, to read the Fox's Book of Martyrs. Buy that book. You don't buy it from us, buy it from anybody you want to, but get the book because you owe it to yourself to understand what it really means to be a Christian historically. Because it's possible that in this country, the tide may turn against us. 
and the, if you, you see the anger and the rage of the other side, if they had the power that they want, they would shut us down this morning. That would be the first place they go. But it would be more than shut us down in a place to meet. It would be shutting your mouth. And you are going by the grace of God to have to shoot me to stop me. Are you willing to die for the cause of Christ? You say, brother, but how did Christians get in this mess to believe that Christianity was going to be so easy and nobody should get offended at you? Well, I think, first of all, TV preachers. TV preachers have been up there telling you positive gospel. Norman Vincent Peale, going way back, Norman Vincent Peale. Peale's appalling, and Paul was appealing. Norman Vincent Peale said, oh, positive thinking, man. We just got to forget all this negativity of sin and everything. And that guy in the Crystal Cathedral, he picked it up, did the same thing out there in California, which went bankrupt eventually. There's a, there's a black-haired curly guy in Texas doing it. I won't mention any names. But the pastors, who Jim Baker was one of them, who have adopted the health and wealth gospel, the easy life, that God wants you to be healthy, he wants you to be wealthy, he wants you to be prosperous physically, and in this world, this world, he wants you to be prosperous. Let me say this, when, when uh, Psalm 1-2 you mentioned today, that's talking about spiritually, brother. Then thou shalt have good success. Then thou shalt make thy way prosperous, Joshua 1-8. He's not talking about having health. Let me just say this. If, if, have, if being healthy is a condition of God's blessing upon you, we sure got a lot of people in this room who are not blessed. And God don't like you because you're sick. God don't like you because you got, you got maybe financial trouble. God don't like you because uh, people don't like you. You're supposed to have everybody like you. That poor young guy at Ted Montana's, I said, son, I wish I had more time to talk to you. I gave him a gospel track. <laughs> and I said, the church is on the back of this with our website. Please come to Gospel Back. You need to come to church. He could be here this morning. Praise God if you've come. Uh, because he needs to hear what I'm talking about. And folks, you need to buy, folks, this book of martyrs and read it. There's been the lack of biblical knowledge and simply reading the New Testament in the Bible. You can't read the New Testament without getting what I'm trying to talk about here this morning. Um, I think there's also a, another reason why this is happening is we have an internal system that we like to avoid trouble at all costs. Right? I'm not a masochist. I don't want to be sick. I don't want to have trouble. I don't want to be persecuted. But I do want to be a disciple of the Lord Jesus Christ. Ooh, ooh, I got a minute or two here. Let me read a few things that Jesus says about that. He says in Luke 9, 23, he says, If any man will come after me, let him deny himself, take up his cross daily, and follow me. He says in Matthew 10, 37, He that loveth, listen to these words, He that loveth father or mother more than me is not worthy of me. Now most people, families, family, ooh, family, he says, he, he goes right to the heart of the issue. He said, if you love your mom and dad more than me, you're not worthy of me. Oh, parents, let me, he goes further because he knows where you're at. And he says, he that loveth son or daughter more than me is not worthy of me. Now, you don't get closer than that. If, if you, 
Love your mom and dad more than me. You're not even worthy of what I've done for you. If you love your son or daughter more than me, you're not even worthy of what I've done for you. Now, can it be any clearer? Um, take up your cross and follow him. What's a cross? It's a, it's a, it's a, uh, a symbol of death. It's a symbol of death. Paul said, for me to live as Christ, to die as gain. Did you know dying for Jesus is spoken positively in the Bible in a positive way? In Acts chapter 20, verse 24, it says, but none of, Paul says to the preachers that are gathered around him there, he said, but none of these things move me. Neither count I my life dear unto myself, so that I might finish my course with joy and the ministry which I have received of the Lord Jesus and testify the gospel of the grace of God. I count not my life dear unto myself. Philippians 1.29, dying is gain. In Philippians 1.23, it's far better to depart. In 2 Corinthians 5.8, to be absent from the body is the present with Christ. You see, the Bible says that if you're willing to obey Jesus, even to the place of death, and I think not only figuratively, but honestly, really, literally, to the place of death, that he has an eternal reward from you that's literally going to knock your socks off. Paul said, and he had gone through more sufferings than anybody we know recorded, that the suffering of this present time, not even worthy to be compared to the glory that should be. The glory that should be that Christ has promised us is so large, it's not even worthy to compare the two together. And there's no Christian ever going to be shorted. No Christian, God will ever owe anything to besides giving you, besides forgiving you of all your sins and cleansing you and making you white as snow, putting your, putting your sins as far as the east from the west behind his back in the deepest sea to be remembered no more. Besides doing all that, he's going to prepare a place for you. And so many other things. Brother, he is worthy. He is worthy to suffer for. He is worthy to be disliked for. He is worthy to die for. In John 21, 19, it says, This spake he, signifying by what death he should glorify God. At 18 years old, I made a decision, and I took my life which was mine, to do with, with what I wanted to do. And I gave it over here to Jesus, and I said, I die to my dreams, to my wants, to my occupations, everything. And if it, be, if it even be your will, I'm willing to physically die. Now, you say, I'm not up here bragging, man. I need the grace of God. I don't think anybody can die for Christ physically without the grace of God being there. It's not, this is not talking about the flesh. But I think everybody, sometime in their life, if you want to be a disciple of Jesus, has got to take your life, which you so strongly hold on to, and that's why you can't prosper as a Christian. You've got to eventually take it over here and give it to, give it to Jesus and say, here's my life. Let it be consecrated, Lord, to thee. And when you do that, spiritually, you just begin to live, man. You just begin to live. God comes. Because he's looking. 
His eyes are going up and down through the earth looking for people like that. And he, he saw that little Bill Lytale, 203, 2003 kid south of the street, Elkhart, Indiana, 18 years old. I said, Lord, I'm nothing. I'm nothing. I've got nothing. But all I have, I'll give to you. And God is faithful. And I've offended a bunch of people. Not because I like to offend folks, but I sure want to please God. And if telling them Jesus saves offends them, they're just going to have to be offended. If telling them that there's a place called hell that if they don't get saved, they got to go to, they just got to be offended. Because my forefathers were willing to go all the way to the stake and be burned alive for the cause of Christ. Man, I have, an inher- I have a heritage, and you do too, of some people that I want to be able to shake their hand someday and just say, wow, I'm a sissy boy compared to you, compared to what God had you do. God have mercy. We need to get some old-fashioned willingness to die for Jesus back in the church of Jesus Christ. And quit being offended by the least little thing that comes around. Brother, you're not going to offend me off of Jesus. Deacons can all go bad, and pastors around me can all go bad, and and denominations can go bad, but you're not going to offend me off of Jesus. He never disappointed me. And he never will. Father, help us this morning to get this. May the Spirit of God take it. The blood. I thought the other day when I was preparing this, the blood of all those people. The voices of all those people are crying, Billy, Billy, preach it. Preach it. Preach it. This morning, Father, there's some folks here that need, desperately need what I'm saying. They'll never... Get the benefits of the salvation that Jesus has provided without understanding this and acting upon it. There may be some folks here this morning who will say, Brother Bill, I take my life like you did your Bible symbolically this morning, and I I take my wants, my desires, my will, everything, my potential, and I lay it upon the altar for Christ. What a beautiful decision that is. What a beautiful decision. Now, as I read to you, I I try to do that daily. I try to take up my cross daily. A cross is not a beautiful thing. It was one of the worst instruments of death ever created and invented by man. And he says, take up your cross daily and follow me. Will you? Father, help. There may be some without Christ here this morning. May they be able to seek someone here to help. And we're we're in the front here. We play two verses just as I am singing together. Maybe they could make their way forward, let somebody know I'd like somebody to talk to. We'd love to. Maybe on the way out, we'd love to talk to you. Father, you move in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand together, please. If you would like to know more about the Lord Jesus Christ, you may contact us at the church website gospelbaptistchurch.com, or you can go to Facebook and type in Gospel Baptist Church Bonita Springs, Florida. Also, you could call the church office at 239-947-1285. Thank you, and God bless.